morning, everybody. Thank you for all the prayers and words of encouragement and, and the gifts. We really appreciate it. I really am blessed to have a great staff. I'm blessed to have great men of God around me uh, here at our church, uh, good friends and brothers. So appreciative, so appreciative. We're in a series called Real Church in the book of Ephesians, and uh, last week we left uh, 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 the building, and we had talked about the gift of the giver. God is the giver, and the gift of the giver is the Holy Spirit, and so we're going to get into that even more deeply over the next few weeks. Um, the gift of the giver is the Holy Spirit, and He is the promise of God, and He comes to live on the inside of every true believer. When we truly believe, God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live on the inside of us. And uh, it's an earnest promise from God the Father that he will never leave us, he'll never forsake us, and he'll be with us all the way. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of every person who has a moment of faith, and they believe that Jesus Christ is God, he's the Son of God, and the blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins away. I love singing about the blood of Jesus. We did that today. Um, this past Friday, I'm so thankful. I, 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 went, uh, I went to my dentist, the Lynn Family Dentistry, an awesome place. And uh, I had finished writing my message. And when I went into the, the waiting room, they called me. I was greeted by the lovely Chloe Dinacola who was, a, who was uh, one of our LOH church family, and uh, she cleaned my teeth. And uh, she did a great job, and a uh, great job. But it was a confirmation to me because um, I'm, I'm preaching a message today called X-Ray, and, um, and she uh, put that vest thing over me, right? And uh, like every other X-Ray I've ever had, I didn't feel anything, but I trust that Putting that, that uh, I don't know if it's a lead-filled vest or something, is for the purpose of uh, minim minimizing the amount of radiation that's uh, coming into your body. But, but something is happening there because they have pictures to prove it. But I wanted to preach this message about x-ray, um, and I'll explain why in a minute, but it was a confirmation to me that Chloe, of all the all the great workers there was the, was the one who was a member of our church, and the whole x-ray idea was like a confirmation to me. Um, so when I talk about x-ray, here's, here's what I mean. It's about believing that the Holy Spirit is working in you and around you, even though you don't feel him or see him. I like Sunday mornings when my feeler is working. Today, my feeler was working. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit today, but I'm preaching a message about not feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit over long seasons of time in your life, and what does that mean, and how do you walk through that? Um, I can't explain how deeply this message has impacted my life, and I'm going to try to give you a little bit of backstory of that as we go on. And we're going to, after reading a passage in Ephesians 1, we're going to zero into a place in the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to unpack that and, and look at the journey of Paul, and we're going to see how that at many times in his life when he maybe didn't feel the Spirit working in him, God was working not only in him, but through him. And that's the same for you and I. Um, I the, the, when you read about Paul... And you see the afflictions that he went through in his journey with Christ and how God, by his grace, comforted him through those things and gave him a perspective through those things. Um, as I preach this message, I, I'm, I'm humbled to preach it because the afflictions of my life and the challenges of my life, the troubles of my life, the hardships of my life have never and will never compare to what the Apostle Paul went through or what the other apostles went through or what other believers in other parts of the world, predominantly in the Middle East or the Arab-speaking nations, China, 
are going through. But nevertheless, we all go through things, and I want to talk about that today. I want to pray, if you would, with me one more time. Heavenly Father, you truly are the God of all mercies and the Father of all comfort, and you do come and comfort us, and sometimes you're comforting us and we don't know it, but we'll look back and see it when we're in times of affliction. My prayer today for those who are watching, those who will watch, those who are listening, and those who are here who are in seasons of affliction, that they will be able to find comfort in the words, even if they're not in the feel today. They will have comfort from the words. And that you will use this message now and in seasons to come to remind us to think x-ray. Help me to unpack that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Although none of us uh, could equate our hardships with the Apostle Paul's, generally speaking, we all go through hardships as believers. And you know what? Some of the hardships that you and I go through as believers wouldn't be as intense or even exist if we weren't following Jesus. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, there are all kinds of hardships you go through anyway. But some of the hardships in your life and in mine are simply because you're going after Jesus. Not perfectly, not without failure, not without hardships, not without struggles. But some of those things wouldn't be as intense, and some of them might go away if you weren't following Jesus. I was talking to a friend, John, right before church, and I said, you know, sometimes the devil doesn't have to bother with some people because if he bothered them, it would wake them up and they'd get more dependent on God. But if you're a target, and if you really are going after the Lord, you're going to need this message. I want to take you back to where we started, where we ended up last week, just to remind you, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. You had an accusative singular moment. You, made a, you heard and you made a decision when you believed you were, this was God's part, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I'll say it this way, until he comes back to get us. And the way Paul says it is, until the redemption of those who are God's possession, my new favorite phrase, to the praise of his glory. I want to be up front in preaching this message. Um, it's out of a continued humbling from the Lord in my own life. Um, it's out of that humbling that a deeper empathy and compassion for you and others, those who walk with the Lord and those who don't, and a deeper empathy and a compassion for myself that has happened through a season of humbling, and I'm so thankful that through those things, God can make you more aware of the tender mercies of God, not only for your life, but for others. Um, I need to come back and preach this message more often because I, I had an awakening where I began to realize that sometimes, many times, out of balance, I have described certain moments of my Christian experience, some of the very dynamic, mind-blowing moments, which were very few, by the way, over 39 years of being a Christian. Very few, but I've said them in a way that I have been bothered a little bit that maybe through the way I describe that, that is my normal and that is, uh, and then you think, well, it didn't happen to me that way. It's like if you read about Charles Finney, a great revivalist of the 1800s, talks about going out into the woods and, and the Holy Spirit came down on him like waves of liquid love. Wow, wouldn't you love that? But then you have C.S. Lewis that says, I can't really pinpoint it. On the way to the library, I wasn't a Christian, and when I got to the library, I was. Right? Both of them have an Ephesians 1 moment. So somewhere between there, you and I might live. Um, my Monday mornings through Saturday on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit like a warm covering blanket that stays with me all day long and then puts me to bed at night is not my norm. 8 to 10 being walking daily on the water like Jesus above all problems, all struggles, all questions, all battles is not my norm. 10 being always hearing the Lord, always hitting the bullseye in my devotional time, 
always having a sunshine day, sky free and clear, no fog, no turbulence. I just fly high on the wings of the Holy Spirit dove from one victory to another. That's not my norm either. And actually, it's not the norm for you, I'm sure. And it wasn't the norm for Paul. And it wasn't the norm for anybody. Like most, I don't walk on the water, and I know you don't either. Like most, when I'm in a fiery trial, I don't always look over and go, wow, there's the fourth man with me. Wouldn't it be great, though? You wake up in the morning, there's Jesus at the end of your bed. Buddy, we're going to have an adventure today. Don't you worry. It's just smooth all the way. Hmm? I highlight those rare moments sometime to a degree that it concerns me because they're not the norm. The normal Christian life, even the normal Holy Spirit-filled Christian life, is more like an x-ray. That you don't... Have you ever... I mean, did you ever get an x-ray and they, they, you hear that thing and you go, oh, no, you don't even know. You, you actually think, I'm not even sure if it's really working. Right? The feeling of not feeling can be normal, like you're getting an x-ray. As true believers, just as the Bible says and just as Paul tells us, the Holy Spirit for a true believer is in us and God is with us and God is using us and God is working in us and God is working on us and God is working through us many times even when we don't see him or feel him and we have more questions than we have answers. With that said, those rare occasions that I've spoken of were real. They were real. And you may have some of those. And next week I'm going to talk about the dynamic moments that are in a Christian's life at times. There are moments when we listen and we obey and then God does these outwardly amazing things and we see them, amazing things that pen can't describe when you try to write them down and words can't describe when you try to speak about them. But they are real and we're going to cover that all in one week. No, we're going to cover that as we keep on going through Ephesians. And they are real happenings of the work of the Holy Spirit. But where I'm at today is this. Just as those things are legit, it is just as holy, just as sanctified, just as dynamic when in seasons and scenarios when it seems like God's touch isn't there, when you don't feel the presence or the power like you're working at a job that makes no sense why you're there other than you just have a job, where it's hard to see how this all fits into God's big plan to launch your destiny that we sang about today, right? Or in the mornings, mom, when you're driving the kids to school after three days straight of nonstop fighting at the house and who gets what seat in the van and five minutes down the road, one of the kids say, I forgot my homework and back you go. And you breathe the prayer like, I'm not, where are you, Lord? And, and you think, oh, God, I need a, I need a good uh, uh, song, so I'm going to hit Caleb and trust you touch me. And you hit Caleb, and there's not a great song. It's the never-ending marathon fundraiser broadcast. <laughs> so I'm just saying, when you, when you pay for Sirius XM, you get the message, and you just pay once a month, and you, they, don't, they don't have those things anyway. Plus, you get the Beatles channel, too. Anyway, or you're in the ministry. You're in the ministry of some kind, and it's very rarely miraculous. And I'm just going to give it up for the coffee people here. I don't know if they feel the Holy Spirit when they're turning that thing on, but, man, aren't you glad? Huh? Anybody in the room glad? Right? Yeah. Or the Shine Kids workers, Tyler, Christine, otherwise known as Christina, and, uh, and all those workers that you may not know that are down there right now going, oh, God, I hope he's gone 55 minutes the last three weeks. Jesus, help me, God above, right? <laughs> While we're all in the third heaven, they're down there hearing kids say poop and stuff <laughs> for Jesus. Huh? I walked by and I said, hey, I walked by and I said to a lady, I said, I really appreciate what you're doing. 
This is the most important thing that happens on Sunday. This is the most important thing that happens on Sunday. I said this is the most important thing that happens on Sunday. You don't always feel that. Tyler, have you ever had somebody text you or write you a Facebook message and says, you know, I'm thinking about, like, not doing it anymore? We won't name names. But anybody would feel that way. I have to tell you, there have been a couple times over 30-some years, I didn't feel like doing this anymore. And while everybody else was dancing around with Jesus and God and the angels and all, I was like going, I don't feel like doing this today. What? So, x-ray. Sometimes you don't feel or see the Holy Spirit working on you, in you, through you, until you look back later. With that said, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, as we continue our study in Ephesians. That was a joke. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 through 16. Paul says, but thanks be to God who always, say always, always, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. I'd like to add something to the Bible right here that doesn't add a different meaning. He should have said, who always leads us in triumph in Christ even when we don't feel it. And manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ when we don't smell it in every place. For we are a fragrance, read this really closely. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the one an aroma from death to death and to another an aroma from life to life. Look at this next question. Who is adequate for these things? It is very important that we stay in that mindset. We're not, about the time you think you're, you're adequate for this, we're not adequate for any of it. Notice in that passage, who notices the fragrance of Christ? Do you? Doesn't say that, does it? Look closely. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God. What that means is, is that when you don't smell it and you don't see it, God does. Just like when Jacob came into his father with Esau's garments. And he smelled like Esau, and it triggered a blessing from his father. Esau is an antitype, the opposite of what we are in Jesus Christ. And it says that to God... When we don't feel it, we don't see it. Paul has just described something I'm going to talk about in a minute. And he is saying, you know what I've learned over the years is that my life and your life with the Spirit is an aroma to God and an aroma to others sometimes. If Paul, if, we, if, 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 the, if the normal was that we always felt it, always smelled it, always knew it, why would Paul feel the need to nurture the church with this truth? Sometimes you do not feel nor see the Holy Spirit working in you or through you until you look back later, and sometimes it's later, later. X-ray. I penned this message for those who have been experiencing a long journey through despair and loss of hope. For people who are asking the question right now, where is God? Or this question, if I have his presence in me, why do I not feel his present? He is present with me. I want to take you on a quick journey through some moments in the life of the Apostle Paul, and I want to show you how God worked in his life, and I would probably say that during these times, he didn't feel the Holy Spirit in the way that he wanted to, if, it, if he did at all. But we can look back and see God's hand all over these moments. X-ray is this. Believing that the Holy Spirit who is working in you, who is in you because we just read it. When you believed, put the Holy Spirit in you and he is there, signed, sealed, delivered. He's in you. But believing that the Holy Spirit is working in you, around you, even through you, when you don't feel him or see him. I want you to think x-ray, a couple points. Number one, when you get put on the shelf. 
The Apostle Paul had this dramatic conversion encounter with Jesus, right? You've read it in Acts 9. He was going to Damascus to arrest Christians with murderous threats to throw them in prison. He was speaking out boldly against Jesus, and on the way there, he didn't plan it. It wasn't in his daily planner. Jesus shows up. He sees a vision of the risen Christ. Here's his voice, blinded by the light, and for three days he can't see. Ananias is sent by the Lord to him prays over him, scales literally fall from his eyes. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and we come to this verse. And he was with them, that's the apostles, Peter, James, John, all the, the boys, moving about freely in Jerusalem. He had liberty in Jerusalem. And he's, what's he doing? He's speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking, and notice this, arguing. I'm, I'm going to preach a whole, a whole sermon in this series on this. I don't have time today. He was arguing but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren, that would be like the elders, Peter, James, John, and, and, the, and, the, and the twelve, when they heard this or learned of it, they brought Paul down to Caesarea, which was a seaport, and sent him on a ship home to Tarsus. Let me tell you where Tarsus was on the map. It was where God wasn't doing awesome things. Here's a man with an awesome experience, caught up in the third heaven, he could have said to Peter, I saw him too, risen from the dead. I heard him tell me I'm going to stand before kings. He heard that on day one. You're going to stand before kings and preach this gospel. He could have said, wait a second, I'm not going home. These Hellenistic, you guys got to deal with this. But you know what? He was sent home. He was sent home. And I'm sure he didn't feel the Holy Spirit on that. And I wouldn't be so sure if he didn't say, Peter missed it. John missed it. But here's what was going on in his life. God was saving his life. God was saving his life for future. He was set in an argumentative, untempered zeal time still in his life, and if he would have set that in motion, he may have gotten concretely set in that kind of a ministry. And God in his love sent him home. And while he was home doing nothing on the shelf, that's when he got the mysteries of the body of Christ, the mysteries of the metaphors in Ephesians and many other things. But the elders, think of this, guys, the elders realized that the priority was not to launch Paul's ministry. The priority was to establish a church with long-term influence long past Paul. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is working on us, just not what we want him to be working on us. So sometimes when you feel like your life's on the shelf, you have to think X-ray, so this message is, is for ministers who will be in the ministry, male, female, whatever, and you're fired up and you have a blazing thing. When I preach, you, you want to get up and add to it like I used to want to do with pastors because I had the gift and the thing and that was what my destiny was going to be and I could jump in and, 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 and maybe some of you are, have already lost you. You're like me. You, you took that passage and you're in 16 places already. That's, that's, that's that thing. That's that thing. That's a good thing, but pay attention. Because this message is for pastors and ministers out there. And uh, listen, after the initial thrust and you're spiritually empowered and you're ordained or you're licensed or they bless you forward and you pastor and things are working and you have a groundbreaking service and you start a new building project like we did and everybody cheered and everybody promised to give money, real money, not monopoly money, real money. Let me tell you the difference between a, a pledge card and real money. A big difference. <laughs> I had 130-some thousand dollars of pledge money leave in one night of a board meeting. I didn't feel God on that. And a few years later, when most of those everybody's are no longer in your core group and said they're with you all the way, brother... And don't worry, I got your back. And I didn't mean, I didn't know they meant it was with a knife. I didn't know that when they said they had my back. <laughs> no, anyway. And after you sit alone for weeks after weeks in an office with great self-doubt, with the scriptures you know that God told you to, to give to the church, you're now haunted by those great statements of faith you made right here. And others said amen out there. And you felt like Elijah on Mount Carmel. And now you don't even know how to spell the word Elijah. And the only thing you have in common with Elijah is you're praying to die. 
and you're looking into the future and seeing none, young man of God, woman of God, I'm preaching to you about experiences just like that that I've gone through when I didn't feel God and God, everybody else did, when I preached messages that changed everybody's life except my own, my own home. Here's what I know through the shelf life of my life. Most of the leadership decisions I'm making now, leading some of these young men and staff, are decisions I make because I learned them when I was on the shelf. I didn't know that then. And if you'd have come with a prophetic word telling me, well, all's going to happen, I wouldn't have been able to believe you. I might have been kind, but I wouldn't have been able to believe that. Like an x-ray, undetected, God was radiating gracious things unknown in my life, slowly and incrementally breaking through to me and breaking me. I wish he was done breaking me. So number one is that. Number two, think x-ray when you seem to be failing in the school of discipleship. The Apostle Paul is so transparent here. He writes this in Romans 7, but I believe this was going on in his life for those 15 years uh, that he talks about going off into the desert and all that. I believe he's, he's working through this. I don't believe he's talking as a non-converted Jewish man under the law. I believe he's talking as a converted man in the law of the spirit of life in Christ and realizing the flesh nature deeply embedded in him and you and me. And we need to think x-ray when we feel like we see more sin than Savior, we see more flesh than fruit, and, 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 and Paul says it this way, I find this evil, not I found, I find this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Have you found that yet? Um, and on it goes. He talks about that. And bottom, what, wretch, what a wretched man I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Sometimes when people are in that crucible, the right thing to do is not to say, oh, buddy, Jesus love. The right thing to do is let, is let God wrestle Jacob until he admits his name. What's your name? I can do all things. No, you can't. What's your name? Deceiver. Now I'm going to call you a prince. Let God win the wrestling match. He's going to win anyway. It might shorten the amount of rounds. T. Austin Sparks is one of those dead guys that wrote a great book that nobody reads. Wrote a book called in, With Christ in the School of Discipleship. And he says that one of the aspects of the Christian discipleship plan is for Jesus to show you how awesome he is and you get, and you get really awed of it and you go after him. And then the next thing is to show you how awesome you're not. In contrast to that, and it's in those seasons that you can think, what am I even doing this for? Am I making any progress at all? I'm showing up too much. Where's God, right? If the Holy Spirit is in me and the Holy Spirit is in me, why do I feel like I got so many holes? Where's God? I don't feel God. This is the school of humility that everybody God, God uses, goes through, and it's the school of breaking. I don't think the Apostle Paul felt great glory bumps when he found that evil principle at work in his life, but God was working in him to find it. Um, Peter is so anointed that his shadow heals the sick. Paul was so anointed in Ephesus, we'll read about it, that they took handkerchiefs that he had had and distributed. They went out and laid those handkerchiefs on people that were sick and they got healed, right? But this same guy says, I have found this evil principle at work in my life. And we know about Simon Peter, right? Remember before he was healing the sick with his shadow? He vows before all the guys, if they all turn away, I won't. Within hours, he's caved three times. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have given permission for Satan to take you through it. Who did? I don't think Peter felt the glory of God during that time. But later, way later, way later, in the 60s AD, 30 years at least later, he is saying, listen, young pastors, young people, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Don't get up and strut your stuff and say what you're going to do. Because there's a lion that's after you, right? All right. So when you're failing in the school of discipleship, think X-ray. Think X-ray. Dane Ortland is a uh, Dane Ortland is a uh, author I really like. He has a book out called Deeper: Real Change for Real Sinners. I want to read you a couple things he said. God isn't going after behavior modification as deeply as you are in your life. He's not really interested in setting your alarm early so you can get up and you cutting carbs. 
He's not even going after your deep reflections on tithing or church attendance or your journaling or your posts. He's not really even thrilled about you reading great books. All of that can be done and you can still have a rottenness in your heart. But this is about real change. And then he goes on to say, the doctrine of original sin, you may say you believe it, but at the same time, you feel yourself to be doing pretty well as a Christian. If that's you, you can put this book on the shelf. You don't need it. But this book is for the frustrated. This book is for the exhausted. This book is for those who are on the brink. This book is for those on the verge of giving up because they don't see any real progress in their Christian life. Do you know anybody like that? Don't you wish they were here today? He says, if, you're not only, if you not only subscribe to the doctrine of original sin on paper, but you don't find yourself proving that doctrine of original sin on a regular basis in your life, this book isn't for you. What he is saying is, when we go through the school, and it's ordained by God, and you're failing in the school of discipleship, it might be ordained because God is trying to teach you something deeper than you getting better at your behavior modifications. Think x-ray. Here's another one. Think x-ray when it seems you have no one in your life but God. In the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul, before he talks about we're in aroma, talks about what was going on in his life just prior to coming to Corinth. Before Paul went to Corinth, he had been beaten, left for dead, he talks about it in the second letter of Corinthians. But he was so shaken by it all that when he gets to Corinth, Jesus in his mercy gives him a vision to say this, don't be afraid, Paul, I have many people in this town. Because, hey, I've never been beaten once. I can't imagine what Afghani pastors are doing. I can't imagine what the Coptic Christians in Ethiopia have to face, and pastors, and I've read stories, I don't have time to say, but they just make you think, God, why should I even say one word? Because I've never had to count a cost or, or pay a price for saying something bold in, 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 in this town, or in this place, compared to that. So when Paul said he had no one but God, here's how it, what he meant. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. In other words, he, when he said, I'm about to die, he wasn't talking about he hadn't eaten all day and he's just starving to death. He meant we didn't know if they were going to come in and take us out. We had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. Would you read that out loud? Now, we sang a song, an awesome song, right? I came out of that grave. Great song. But this guy, that hope of that song was in a completely different context. When you feel like you have no one but God. Notice how I put that statement. When it seems you have no one but God. It seems. Your dear friends have it all going on in their home, in their parenting, in their marriage, and you don't. When it seems that God isn't hearing you when you're praying for him to raise up your kids, your kids aren't raising <laughs> right now. And you come alone as a single parent or as a married parent who comes almost like a single parent, And you don't feel educated in scriptures. And man, when you're here, you are praying really deep prayers about your kids and shine kids. When you feel it seems you have no one but God. You know there are people in our church that this is all the spiritual family they get. Because when they go home, there isn't a brother that's a Christian. There isn't a dad that's a Christian. There isn't a family that's a Christian. This is it. Why it's so important for us to shift from audience to family is because there are people in this family. They're in the midst of us, but they have a question they're not going to ask you or me. 
do you really care about me? Because sometimes I feel like I have no one but God. Now, sometimes, not all the time, God bless you, if, you, if you're going through any of these things and you're reaching out to others and you're, and you're not going dark and deep inside alone and you're not isolating yourself, God bless you if you're reaching out. But it's easy to not reach out in these times. And sometimes when we think nobody cares, now please don't get under condemnation. If, if, if this shoe doesn't fit, please don't let the devil try to fit it on your foot. But sometimes we feel like we have nobody but God because we have put a no visitors sign as a marquee over our life. And there are others who would like to help us and get in there with us, but we non-verbally send out a message, keep your distance. And we go inward instead of outward, or something that's even more subtle and dangerous, we're one of those I just need Jesus people. And I go upward all the time, and God's up there going, I'm not coming. Go outward, meet me in the body of Christ. I wrote this to myself, and you can join in. The more convinced you are that you don't need people, or the more certain and confident you are that you can do it by yourself, the more vulnerable you are to deep trouble. It reminds me of the song Paul McCartney wrote, Sister Susie, Brother John, Martin Luther, Phil and Don, Uncle Ernie, Auntie Jin, open the door. You guys know that song? Put them on the prayer list. <laughs> we need to have a, a meeting. I got some music you need to listen to. Putting all seriousness aside. Anyway, uh, hey, I have a deep concern for those who only live stream it. I have a deep concern for people who every time I run into them tell me that they're going to come back next week. And then more months go by. Not, I don't, I don't have a, I don't, I'm not criticizing you. I'm concerned for you. I have a concern for people who come here and are, are part of ministry, but you're not necessarily uh, and reaching in and reaching out and getting into community people. Where audience is still the metaphor that you're good with, and it isn't in Ephesians. Because there are times that we feel that we're all alone and it's just God, and God doesn't want that for us. And we want this Holy Ghost thing to happen during Dustin's third song. And, and, and the praise team at times, I'm sure, as I used to do, know that they want the Holy Spirit to move so badly in people's lives that we'll just keep going on and on and, and singing the unending chorus in order to, to God to drop down the... Holy Ghost parachutes to land on the people who, do, who just want to have it enter in, enter in, enter in, and they're not willing to enter in here. Hmm? I have a concern. Because Paul says, if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. So that the same comfort we get, we can share with you, and the same comfort you get, you can share with us. So there are the things that, 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 that can happen. There's many more things. But how do we think, what do we do then? Okay, you caught me, Tim. I didn't catch you. I'm talking to me and you're listening in. And, and, but, but, but there's that and, and many things more. Um, what do we do in this time? A couple points I want to make to you. Number one, take your veil off before the Lord. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Now, uh, you know, the blessing and the... Uh, the dynamic encounter, you Pentecostal fans out there, and family and friends, and you Holy Ghost move people out there, um, awesome. So we read that and we go, it doesn't say, you'll know the Spirit is moving because of how you feel the liberty of it. 
doesn't say that, does it? Read it, what it says. It just says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where he is, there is liberty. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll know it. It doesn't mean you won't. I heard Dustin say today, and I felt it too, Dust. Today, Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, it was, right? It seemed that way, right? But we all, whether we feel it or not, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and it doesn't say when you behold the glory of the Lord, you go, felt the glory of the Lord. doesn't mean you won't. But here's what the fact is. When you take the veil off before the Lord, you are present, participle, continuously being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord by the Spirit. In other words, when we're going through these times, we don't feel stay real, stay raw, and stay unveiled before the Lord. I love David. When, when, when I've been going through a season that seems to not end, I have found that David is so honest in his prayer life. And he's writing things, like, for instance, in Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? God didn't forsake him, but that's what he felt. That what was, that's what was real, and he felt it. So he took the veil off, and he said it, and he wrote it. And then you read the very next psalm, and it says, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want surely goodness and mercy. And we can go, that was the next day. He wrote this song on this day, and this song on the next day. No. Months, months go by with the why. And somewhere in there, somewhere he had an aha, whether he felt it or not, and he journals out that. But if you just flip the page, and you just go from chapter this to chapter this, you don't realize God spoke to Abraham, and then 20 years go by with nothing but sand being picked out of the teeth, wondering why the promise of reaching all the world like the stars in the sky, he hasn't heard one word. What do you do in those times? We stay real before the Lord and we keep coming before the Lord. Number two, watch the scale. Oh, great. Now he's going to talk about my weight gain. Nope. Watch the scale. Stay with me. Paul, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It doesn't say you feel the treasure. Why would he, he, wouldn't, he, why would he have to tell us? So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, normal Christian life, but he's in a different context. It, it scares me to even quote this verse like I, I, I persecuted. You know, like Paul said, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, I don't live like Paul lived. But nevertheless... Struck down but not destroyed, therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, we take our veil off every day before the Lord. Inner man is being renewed day by day, and it doesn't say you feel it. Again, I'm not saying you won't. I'm not saying you won't. And when you do, get it all, baby. When the feeler's on, sponge it all in. But don't evaluate your devotional life by the feels. Notice it says power that's not from ourselves, and it surpasses our own. Now, I'm going to get Greek nerdy on you. Here we go. I'm in this mode with this. Afflictions. Afflictions is the word phlebo, not tebo, phlebo. Phlebo means pressed circumstances from an, ant an antagonist. Outward enmity pressing the circumstances upon you. We are under afflictions. The next word, perplexities, aporio. It's like a-oreo, aporio, right? Perplexities means to, to, to be without a way. Have you ever been in your Christian life, not only, well, you, you, have you ever prayed, God, show me the way, and he didn't show you? Or you, God, I, show me the way, and, and like, you're not sure? And you're just hoping you don't go the wrong way? 
perplexities, aporio. Paul said, I've been in those times, persecutions, dioko. It means that someone is under pursuit of you to drive you away and make you suffer for it. Paul says, this is the norm. This is going upstream in a downstream world. This is the spirit-led life. This is Christian living. This is what will be in your life from time to time. We are, we are afflicted. We are perplexed. We, are, we have persecutions and then strike downs. Katabalo, it means to literally, physically throw someone to the ground. And that literally happened to Paul. You may not have that happen to you, but... You have taken, I've taken many blows, right? Now, many times it's only when we look back during those times that we realize, because we felt at those times we had no power at all. We felt at those times, I have walked out into the front yard of my house years ago when things weren't happening in my world here that I thought, and I said to God one day, took the veil off, I said, Lord, if... uh, if, if me winning this thing depends on my ability to fast, my ability to stand on the word, I'm, a, I'm, I'm over the falls. I'm going to drown. I'm not going to make it. Am I talking to anybody here or are you guys like you and uh, Joel Osteen have it going on? <laughs> I'm not knocking it. I'm just meaning, I mean... I wish he, whatever vitamins he takes, I wish I could have them. Good for him, but I I think it's great. I I don't know what, I don't know what I missed, but. But then, but then looking back, you go, I wasn't holding on. He was holding on to me. Hmm? I wasn't holding on. He was holding on to me. I read somewhere, I think it was in the Bible, unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Now, think of the measuring scale, okay? He says uh, afflictions, persecutions, perplexities, strike downs. But then he says, but, uh, but not this, okay? So look what it says. Uh, who says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Uh, we're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, the, the, the ter- see the not things? They are in, they are in a, a perpetual tense in the Greek, meaning not only is this happening, but it's continuing, and the results of it continuing are really taking your life out of balance. So when I say watch the scale, here's the thing. It is not wrong that you go through perplexity. It's not unspiritual that you go through persecutions. It's promised. It, that you go through hardships and afflictions, circumstances pressing. It's, it's promised. But here's the thing. Here's what I mean by watch the scale. When, when these things are continual and they, and they don't seem to end, and the word crushed, he says we're not feeling like stenochorio, the walls are closing in. Now, there are times, you ever felt like the walls are closing in? Sure, everybody's hand would But when it's continual and it's unending and it's wearing you out and it's taking you down and, and, and the heaviness of it is, is exalted and, and you can't, right? Think x-ray, think x-ray, but here's the thing. When you are not not despairing, exaporeo, where there are times in your life when you think, I don't know the way right now, but when it's a constant season and it goes on and on where not only you don't know the way, I mean, you have come to the point where you, there is no way and you're in a place of despair that's equated the same word that Paul says, we were at a point where we didn't know if we were going to live, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you what to do with that. Not forsaken, enkatalepo, we're not feeling like we're helpless and left behind with no one there. Have you, all of us, all of us, even in the midst of friends, can be going through things at times normally when you feel like nobody gets it, you're all alone, and you're in a season. But when those things are in a present participle, they continue, continue, and the results you are seeing, it's not pretty, and it's getting, watch the scale. 
and not destroyed. Apollomi comes from the word Apollyon, the destroyer that comes out of the pit that kills one-third of mankind during the tribulation period. Apollomi means to, in a general sense, the circumstances are so intense that you feel like this is going to ruin you. It's all coming down. It's going to be an end. Now, there are times and seasons that any of us can feel like that, right? But I'm talking about a continual, continual that makes you know this, this is the end of me. What do you do? There is a sign. Watch the scale. If that is becoming your norm in a long season, here's what you do. Number three, this is the most important part. Reach out. Look at all these people. I nerded out real bad Thursday. I, I got this brilliant idea. I'm going to look up the names of everybody Paul mentions in those parts of the Bible that we don't read. And so there they all are. I might have forgotten one. Here's my point. Here's a guy that's been through things, you and I, man. I'm going to read a couple. Acts, Barnabas comes for him. We're going to preach on that. Uncle Barney came for Saul when he was down in Tarsus, wondering if God had him on the shelf. Silas, Luke, Timothy, their ministry partners, Lydia. He runs into Lydia at a river. W means woman. I want to highlight that, right? Phoebe. Phoebe is a rock star. You may have never heard of her. She lived in Sancria. Listen, you wonder if women have a place in ministry? Let me ask you, you, just, you figure this out. You know, the, you know the letter that Paul wrote called Romans? Guess what? When he was finished writing it, he handed it to Phoebe and sent the epistle to the Romans in the hands of a woman to the Roman believers. Just saying. What do you think of that? Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife ministry team. Interesting. Priscilla's name's first. It's always Priscilla and Aquila with Paul. And on we go. We see Mary. I'm not sure if that was the Magdalene or if that was Mary, the mother of Jesus, probably the mother of Jesus. And on and on and on and on and on. See the W's around the women. Rufus. Rufus is the son of Simon of Cyrene. They carried the cross, forced to carry Jesus' cross. He's still rolling. Something happened when he saw Daddy step in and do that. Rufus is a leader in the church in Rome. Isn't that cool? And on and on and on. All the way down to a man named Mark, John Mark, who back there during Barnabas' time, Mark was written off by Paul because he considered him to be too weak-willed to have what it takes to stand in the battle. Now Paul has reached a place where he's ready to die, and John Mark is very profitable to him. God can make things become valuable to us that aren't valuable to us when we don't see the value. I want to close like say this. The fragrance, aroma of life, whoops, you guys left me on there. It's all right. The fragrance, aroma of life comes from brothers and sisters from their clay pot with a surpassing greatness of, the God, of God's power that doesn't come from the sky. It's like an x-ray. I heard uh, my nephews talking about investments and compounding interest, and I was thinking about that. You know, uh, Dr. Robert Roden, who was one of my earlier pastors, uh, the overseer of the Assemblies of God Potomac District Network, he's no longer there, but he used to always talk about the value of perseverance and longevity in ministry. And he was saying you, you have to guard against discouragement because just because you, your church needs prayer, you think you preach a series on prayer and the whole, you're going to have a praying church. Or you think that one service, it's all going to change. Or we're going to have a, a, someone's going to hit the, a, a G minor chord and the whole church is going to get caught up in the third heaven. Right? And if it doesn't happen, you come in with expectations and, it doesn't, and, and the kingdom doesn't come every week. What did we miss? Those people weren't entering in. How did I miss it? What did I do wrong? 
Compounding interest. When you make a deposit in your mutual fund, you don't go, wow, I feel the power of that compounding interest in my life right now. But boy, later, ka-ching. Ka-ching. The real truth is this. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought, hmm, but by the grace of God, there go I. You care about people that are going through rough things and you want to help them and you feel helpless. Sometimes you don't reach out what you need to know. Think x-ray on that. There, some of, the, some of the, the feedback that I've received over three decades of preaching that's been positive has come when I didn't feel anything when I preached it. I mean, this is way below feeling anything. And if truth would have been told on the way, I didn't want to even do it because I didn't have the strength to. And there isn't a, a pastor or a preacher or a missionary or a church planter that wouldn't tell you the exact same thing. But then someone will tell you their story and man, your heart goes out for them and you pray for them, but you walk away and you just and there's a part of you that goes, man, I'm just glad that's not me. And not selfishly, but you just think, you get, oh, but by the grace of God, there I go I. And you go, amen, brother. But hopefully by the grace of God, there I don't go. But here's the real truth. Here's the real truth. By the grace of God ordained, there we go. He is going to lead us through hardships, perplexities, the I don't feel seasons, the devotional time that's bland, the compound interest of prayer meetings that nobody shows up, life groups that don't seem to be rolling, weeks when you think, why am I still doing children's church? Why am I still this or that? You need to think x-ray because... Great investments are being made because the Holy Spirit is in you, on you, through you, to you, even when you don't feel God. So don't quit. Take the veil off before the Lord and reach out to others. I want you to stand, please. I feel a very strong desire to ask those of you uh, who, hey, I, uh, th that God took this failed attempt to preach this and made it very personal to you, that God was talking to you through this to encourage you. You don't feel the encouragement even now, and you're in some real tough stuff but he's spoken to you. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do, to consider to do. Would you take the, if it's there, off the marquee of your life that says, I'm on my own here. Keep your distance. You're not saying it's snarky, but... Hmm? And why don't you leave where you are and join us, join me here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. If I was out there today and there was somebody preaching this message, I would have probably already walked to the altar. Because I've been in long enough to know, can't do it by myself, and I'm too self-reliant, and I need the touch of the Lord. And I need him to touch me even if I don't feel that he did. I need to stay open, stay transparent, stay before the Lord, and model that you're not a water walker. Even if you are a water walker and you, you don't know you're on it, other people can see you and find inspiration. So, those of you who want to take the veil off and have people in the family see that you're in need, not just of God, but God's people, join me here and we'll pray together. And those of you who are here 
and it's sailing on the high seas now under the sun. Praise God for you. I'm so thankful for you in that season, but it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. There will be a season when the lights go out and things get more than hard and the sentence on your life will not seem like a promise from God. And those who are standing, take heed lest they fall. And those who Lord, I just pray that you would fill in the rest. That we think x-ray. And that whether we have a time right now that is written in the annals of history someday, or whether we come to an altar and we leave feeling we left the same way we came, this is an investment of faith. That we are people who are containers with the Holy Spirit in us. That the power of God in us is greater than our own And we pray for our family to hear the word of the Lord this day. In Jesus' name, amen.